Greetings, greetings, greetings. You are now tuned in to No Port and All Pearls, a podcast for manifestation, for self-actualization, and that podcast that gives you the tools that you can live your life by design and not by default. I want to take this time to give thanks to the ancestors, the originators, because if it wasn't for them, it would be no me. And I also want to take time to thank you, the listeners, for continuing to pass the word and to lend me your ear so that I can share this information with you in hopes that maybe it can unlock some keys within you or help you to see things in a different light in which you may have not seen them before to answer questions that you may have had within so that you can become truly illuminated and understand the things that nature wants you to see. And I also want to take time to thank the light workers and all of those in this hour who made the ultimate sacrifice of giving themselves so that the people can be set free and that the people can be healed and that the people can have a chance to evolve. Well, today is the day of Venus, or as some people refer to it as Friday. Um, today is pretty much a day some acknowledge as Good Friday. And I just want to say that, um, honestly, today really is a good day for me. It's, it's truly a good day. And tonight, the episode, we're going to deal with something that maybe many of you knew this is what this meant. And you knew that what I'm talking about is a simple concept. But then again, maybe some of you did not know. And maybe the information that I'm sharing with some of you is going to unlock some keys within you. And to really help you to see what the ancestors was trying to relay when they dropped these jewels. Because these are truly jewels. But tonight's episode, we're going to talk about five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. But um, before I get into tonight's episode, you know, I just want to just share my heart for a minute. And... This has been a very, very uh, enlightening week for me, and I must truly say that uh, I have come to a state of compassion 
in just a state of realization that um, you know some are gonna get it and some are not gonna get it and you know the desire and the heart from the beginning was to basically help the people you know help the people and to just really eliminate the need for that middleman and to like help people to see that the power is truly yours if you want it you know the power is yours if you want it i mean it's up to you to take control of your own destiny and getting a driver's seat of basically manifesting what it is that you want in your life. You know, uh, I chose this platform because one, this was the platform that was provided to me by the ancestors. That's why I always acknowledge them and give thanks to them for giving me this platform and this opportunity. But I chose this platform because this is a platform that I can come to you uh, free of charge. The only thing that you must pay is your attention. You know, that's the only thing that's required of you is to pay attention. Uh, I'm not one that is in need of anyone's finance. I, I'm never going to be on here saying that if you don't give me your finance, then I will no longer be able to provide content to you. Because I feel as if it was meant for me to provide the content to you, then the ancestors would give me the platform and the opportunity to provide the content for you. You know, it's not for you to finance me so that I can help you. My strength comes from the creator and from the universe because... I was a manifestation of someone's prayers. I was a manifestation of someone's desire to help others. And if someone manifested me to help others, then it's my duty and it's my responsibility to help others and not at charge. Um, and that's just me, you know. Uh, we, we're in a time right now where I still see people trying to... Uh, take advantage of the people, even in situations such as what we find ourselves in. Uh, people want to take people's money or they want to take people's finance when they know <laughs> many people are not in a position to even have any type of finance or they're not in a position to even have money. Um, side note, we truly haven't had money <laughs> in a long period of time because uh Federal Reserve notes or debt notes are not money. You know, you can do the etymology of the word money and it, it leads you back to metal. So if something was truly money, it would coincide with something of some type of metallic um, texture. And also the different forms of metal when we're talking about gold, silver, talking about copper, 
we can even throw in nickel in the mix. But uh, if you were to read the Constitution, it would say that gold and silver is the only true money in the land. Gold and silver, that's how you are to pay for things according to the Constitution is with gold and silver. So when I say things like uh, money has to be metal, that's pretty much my premise of what I'm basing it off of. What the Constitution says, gold and silver is the money for this landmass. But that's not what I'm talking about. But um, I digress. Um, it's, it's so much that I want to share, but it's so much that I'm not able to share for all types of different reasons. But I tried to give keys and I tried to give different information to the people so that you can help yourselves because the bottom line is we have to be in a position to help ourselves. The time for us to rely on others to come and save us, it's expired. It's over. It's no saving. It's no being saved by some mythical figure or someone zooming down from the sky to scoop us up. It's none of that. It's you being empowered to save yourselves. And for so long, you have not been empowered to save yourself. You have been stagnated or you have been suppressed to have to depend on others to give you their scraps or to give you their assistance to bail you out or to assist you. But it's not about that. It's about you taking control of your own destiny and you helping yourself. But many of us is not going to grasp that concept. We're not going to understand that we are the answers that we've been looking for. Um, I talked about things as manifesting and focusing on what it is that you do want and not what you don't want. But in times of testings, as what we find ourselves in. Many people are afraid, fearful, worried about what others are doing or what others are trying to do or what's going on or what's happening to us when, in fact, what we have to do is focus on what we want from this situation. What, what is it that you want? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to survive? Do you want to be in a position that you can take care of yourself? You know, visualize these things that you want. That's the whole concept of this mind science thing and the thing I've been talking about with the science of your mind and creating your own reality. You can have exactly whatever it is that you want to have. You can. But you have to first know that, you know, it's... It, Time for believing is over. Like, you can't be believing stuff. If you don't know it, you either know or you don't know. If you don't know that you can do these things, you're going to always be wrestling with it. You're always going to be on the fence. You know, you're going to go back and forth or whatever, and you're going to be unstable. That's why I talk about the double-minded individual is unstable in all of their ways. It's like either you know or you don't know. And the fact is that if you know that you can take control of your reality and that you can create your own destiny, you will do it. I've been fine through this whole process and I've been actually in the probably some of the best 
revelations I've ever experienced in my life in this time. This has been one of the greatest times for me. But at the same time, it's been very sad because I've seen many people whom I had high hopes for and people who I wanted to see, you know, great things for. I've seen them fold under the pressure and I've seen the fear just take over them and they're just not in a position where they can take control of their own reality because of the fear that's in their heart. They choose to rely on fear versus using their faith on what it is that they want to experience, you know, and creating their own reality. You know, you have the faith in your heart. The faith is the energy. It's the energy that you choose to use and try to put into the direction of the things that you want to manifest. If you're using fear, that means that you think that the opposite of what you want is going to happen. And you have more desire and belief that the opposite thing is going to happen versus the thing that you truly desire and that you truly want. You know, your belief resides in the opposite versus your belief residing in the actual object or the thing that you want to accomplish, which you can, and you still can if you choose to utilize your faith. You can do it. But you have to overcome your fears. We're being forced to deal with our fears. We're being forced to deal with anything that's within us that has been preventing us from living our true life and our destiny the way that we want to experience it. But if we allow our fear to take over, then we're not going to experience that. And that's the truth of the matter. So that's why I say some of us is going to get it. Some of us is not going to get it. And I had to get to the point where I'm okay with it. For a long time, I wasn't okay with that because I wanted everyone to win. I want to see my people win. But the bottom line is, and the fact is, it's not going to happen. Fear is the pandemic. I'm going to say that. I'm going to be clear. Fear is the pandemic. It's not COVID-19 or coronavirus or none of that. That's not the pandemic. The pandemic is fear. Um, some of the great ancestors said, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And I know this to be true. Fear is the thing that's causing most of individuals downfall is the fear because in your mind and in your heart if you believe in that something bad or disagreeable is going to happen to you then this is what you're manifesting i don't know how else to say it in my heart in my mind i know i'm going to survive this in my heart and my mind i'm going to be on the other side i'm going to be living a life of prosperity and abundance, and I'm going to be experience the beauty of this world. I'm going to continue to engage in the love of humanity. I'm not going to let someone stop me from loving my brothers and my sisters. In fact, this has actually increased my love for my brothers and my sisters. That's why I say this has been some of the best times for me because it's really helped me to put things in perspective and to really focus on love because at the end of the day, we are... We are what each other has, each other, because we are all part of the all, all of us. And 
I'm starting to develop an even greater appreciation for all of the creations of this physical plane, like all of them. And I'm looking at things differently. Like, I don't want to cause harm to anything. Before it was anyone. You know, I was always focused on not harming anyone. I had got to that point, of course. But now I don't want to harm anything. The trees, I talked about that. It, it hurts me to see these trees be slaughtered. That, that's very much hurting me to see the, the trees continue to be slaughtered. And men putting all this artificial stuff on the earth and hardening the, the earth surface by putting all this concrete and stuff down and taking away the grass and the, the earth, man, it's really bothering me. And then even with the bees and, and, and I, I saw something on the news where animals were migrating into cities because why? Because the trees are being cut down. If you cut down the trees in the forest, where else are the animals going to go? Of course, they're going to go to the to the um, cities. But now they're saying the animals are wild. And because of the pandemic and because everyone is staying at home, that's why the, the animals are migrating to the cities. Because, you know, they're ready to come and take over now because they see that the cities are empty. It's not because the cities are empty. It's because the trees are being slaughtered and nature is being hardened. Because of what man is doing to it. So, it just bothers me to see things being done to the planet that's like really disrupting the natural order of things. But, you know, nature is all, all powerful and it's allowing this for a reason. It's allowing this because this is a period of resetting. Things are getting ready to be reset. And a lot of energies that's on this planet that's no longer serving the planet is about to be eliminated. And that's the truth. And that's the fact of the matter. So once the cleansing period is over, once all the energies that's not supposed to be here any longer, once that subsiding and, and is gone and really it's not going to disappear, it's going to be transmuted. It's going to be transmuted into the energy of the beings who are serving the planet and the beings who have taken time to do the work on themselves. So things are going to become much better. So we just got to continue to endure. Keep working on yourself. Take time for you. Take time to love someone. Take time to love yourself. You know, take time to appreciate nature. And just know that everything is going to be just fine. Everything is just fine. Everything is working in divine order. So <clears throat> I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, we're going to dive into tonight's episode, which is five loaves and two fish. So stay tuned to No Pork and All Pearls, and we'll be back shortly. And we're back to No Pork and All Pearls. And tonight... We're talking about five loaves and two fish. <laughs> this is a, a topic that <laughs> is very controversial. And it's controversial because from the time when I was a youth and I was coming up, many, 
many people have speculated about this whole thing about um, feeding a multitude with five loaves of bread and with two fish. And it's been arguments about it, about is it possible? Could this have possibly been done? And uh, people were talking about what type of bread was used and how the bread was broken and divided up. And then it's also about the two fish and like how how the two fish, what first of all, what type of fish were they? <laughs> and then also I've heard where it was uh, the fish in the baskets where the baskets just kept replenishing itself. Like, you know, the baskets that they were passing around every time. It, they got to the bottom of the basket. It was more fish that was like appearing, you know. So <laughs> I'm laughing because it's just real. When you really come into enlightenment, when you come into the knowledge, and when you come into um, the understanding of what things are truly talking about, it's funny when you hear all these concepts of what people actually thought so let's talk about the bread first let's talk about the five loaves of bread let's talk about that and um this is some of the stuff that i heard um of course i heard like the bread was kind of almost like crackers and basically with the bread like they took the bread and they just broke it into pieces like you know you had small pieces of bread but the bread was almost like bread crumbs because like if you're taking like crackers and you're breaking them up, it's like almost like crumbs. But I mean, it's small wafers or small portions of the cracker or the bread. But if you break it up, of course, you can break it into like almost thousands of pieces. You know, you can and you can pass it around. And if everybody get like a piece then, of course, 5,000 people could get fed. If you had five loads of this stuff, you know, then they said, of course, the loads were, like, super long. They were, like, long loads. And they broke it up into, like, you know, thousands of pieces. And, like, they just smashed it all up, put it in their um, baskets or whatever, and they just passed it around. And, of course, no one was greedy. Everyone just got a piece or two, you know. Now... The problem with that understanding is, okay, if you had these people and they had been uh, in the multitude and they had been learning, you know, they had been in the position of learning and they were uh, with the master teacher and they had been there like all day listening to the teaching and they were hungry. I'm talking about they were hungry because they were there for hours, hours and hours and hours because they had been there all day. So that that's what that's what lets me know that it had been hours because if they had been there all day, then that's hours. So if they've been there for hours and they're hungry. I mean, maybe I'm just a real greedy person. Or a greedy individual because of. Cracker crumb or bread crumb is not going to help to subside my hunger. And 
Some people would be like, well, you know, if you had nothing to eat, if you eat these um, crackers or these crumbs or whatever, you know, that's better than nothing. So, you know, you should be grateful for that. And like that shit, you know, do something for you because if you don't have nothing to eat and if you're getting something, then that's better than nothing because the alternative is nothing. Well, I say to those people that you've never been hungry before. I've been in a position where I've been hungry, like not having any food. And I promise you, someone gave me a cracker or gave me some pieces of cracker. That's not going to help me. It makes me even hungrier because when you get that little bit, your body craves for even more. So, if you're telling me that a multitude of 5,000 people, the number was 5,000, 5,000 people got fed off of five loaves of bread and two fish. So, if you're telling me that 5,000 people, they all had some breadcrumbs and then to go along with the breadcrumbs, they had a piece of fish. Now, they said these were two really big fish, though. Like, the fish were, were super big, right? Okay, so... <laughs> All right, so the fish was big. Okay, let's say the fish was big, like, uh, oh, man, like maybe a baby uh, dolphin or something. I don't know. That's a really big fish, right? But it's really not a fish, it's a mammal, but, you know, it comes from the water. Let's say it was two big fish like that, maybe. Is it possible that those two fish could have um, fed 5,000 people? I'm quite sure of it. But the only problem with that is, they said a little boy had <laughs> five loaves and two fish. Yeah. So how could a little boy have a... Um, a dolphin <laughs> or even a baby dolphin and two of them at two of them at that and then how long would it take to um clean something like that and to like slice it up into pieces or whatever and did they eat the fish raw you know or did they grill it like you know if they grilled it you know i'm sure it took a long time to grill all that fish for five thousand people and like it said that the people they all sat in groups of hundreds and fifties, right? So I'm thinking it was a either groups of one hundred and it was fifty of those, or it was either a hundred groups of fifty, which I kind of think it was more like a hundred groups of fifty versus fifty groups of a hundred, which it could have been either or. It could have been fifty groups of a hundred. That could work too, but I just know that learning is 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 easier. In smaller groups, like if you're gonna break them up into smaller groups, then I think like a group of 50 was probably more conducive for the teachings or whatever, you know. But I digress. Um, so the fact that we think that five loaves of bread and two fish was actually physical food. It's a problem. It's a problem because not only is it not logical that that's what it was, but it's physically impossible 
for the scenario that was laid out for that scenario for a one day thing and these individuals to be being taught all day and like you know it was basically the master teacher was teaching them and they were in multitudes and the disciples was being used as well because he was teaching the disciples and the disciples was spreading the information to the multitudes as well so if it was only like 12 of them how could they teach and then also have time to prepare this food and cook this food for them at the same time and also they went and they fed them at supposedly after they had been there most of the day so they taught all day long so you mean to tell me that after this they went and they went and they slaughtered these big old fish or whatever and they grilled them or they did whatever they had to do and then passed it out to all these people think about that too because not only did they have to prepare but they have to also serve them too so the preparation may have taken a, a while and then after the preparation then the dis distribution of it had to have taken a while because it's 5,000 people I fed um people who were less fortunate or homeless people or you know individuals who were hungry I've done that and you know it's work it's work to feed those people you know especially if you're doing it properly and in an orderly fashion you know it's work it takes organization it takes the setup and then it actually takes the manpower to execute it so we're gonna take a break you know I just had to just talk about some of the different uh, ideas of what it meant but we're gonna actually dive into what five loaves and two fish is really all about so stay tuned to no pork and all pearls and we're gonna dive into five loaves and two fish tonight and we're back to no pork and all pearls and tonight we're diving into five loaves and two fish and without further ado let's really get into this and let's really understand what was going on here five loaves and two fish basically was a higher level of teaching and it was a higher level of knowledge being dispensed to the people to the multitudes by the master teacher the master teacher looked at the people and he saw their state and he saw the condition of the people and he wanted to give them something to help them because he had compassion on them in fact let's go to uh let's go to king james version of the bible and we're gonna go to the book of mark once again we're gonna use this because this is something that most of us have access to and many of us are familiar with and we're gonna read and let me see we're gonna go to chapter six and let's read let's read verse 37 we're gonna read th verse 37 and before we get to that what happened before that was that the master teacher had 
compassion for the multitudes. And he saw how hungry and thirsty that they were to learn. So because he was moved and he had compassion, he began to teach them many things. And like after he was teaching them, it had gotten late. So the disciples were telling him to send the people away so that they can go to surrounding countries and villages to buy bread for themselves because they don't have anything to eat. That's what it was saying. So let's read verse 37 and see what the master teacher told the disciples. And it reads, he said, but he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And then they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he, he being a master teacher, said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them, them being the people and the two fish. He divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. All right. <laughs> so I read that because I wanted you to be clear with the words of how it was worded. So let's deal with the five loaves. We're going to talk about five loaves right quick. The five loaves that was given, you've got to first understand what is it meant by bread and loaves of bread at that. When we're talking about bread and we're talking about loaves, another word for bread is Truth is truth. And truth is something that will sustain you. So it was loaves because it was plural. It was five truths or five sustaining truths. So what were the five sustaining truths? The five sustaining truths that was given was they were precepts. They were five precepts of ethics or ethical precepts. These were ways for the people to help live their lives in a more ethical way. So the master teacher shared with them 
five five truths or five ethics for them to use to govern their lives. Now, when it, when he talks about giving them something to eat, it was saying to give them something to sustain them. Like after these people were being taught, they had received great teachings from the master teacher. The master teacher was giving them real great teachings. But just like many of us that's listening to this podcast, we have gotten great information from many places and many periods of time. And the information is good. The information is always good. But a lot of times that information does not sustain you because it's not something that you can apply to your life. It's not something that you can make practical. I mean, of course, if you study the information and you allow the information to germinate within you, over a period of time, you can implement this information into your life. But in a setting like that, when you go to a setting and you have hours and hours of lectures and hours and hours of teachings, it's no way that those lectures can sustain you for the rest of your life because those things are supreme or superior knowledge. It's probably stuff that you've just been introduced to and it's nothing that you can really hold on to. It's good stuff to hear and it's good stuff to go back and study, but if you don't have something that's practical that you can apply to your life right now, then it's not going to sustain you. So that's where the five loaves came in or the five precepts that was given. And those five precepts that was given are as follows. The first precept that he gave to them, which was one of the five loaves, was one should not kill or one should not take life. He taught them to refrain from taking life. Do not take life. Any life, do not take it. That was the first precept. Like, And when I'm talking about taking life, that's, it goes beyond like just your brothers and your sisters. It goes beyond that simple level of killing. It goes to not harming any living thing, period. Do not harm anything that's living. Anything that's living, do not take life. You did not give life, so you have no right to take life. Whenever you take in life that you did not give, you're in a violation. You're putting yourself into a violation of breaking the laws of nature because now you're going to be dealing with cause and effect. Because when you take a life, then someone's going to take your life or something's going to take your life, especially if it's a living thing. So that was the first precept that he taught them. Now, is that something that you can remember, even if you're just listening to this podcast, by me saying that, that's going to stay with you. You can easily remember that. Do not take life. Refrain from taking life. That's something of substance that can sustain you. The next thing that he taught them was, You should not steal. You should not steal. 
And I said it like that because it's simple. It's a simple, simplistic way to say to not take what's not given. Like if someone doesn't give you something, you don't take it. It's not yours. If someone doesn't give it to you, it's not yours to take. So that eliminates the whole process of you coming in, intruding on someone's land, and you're going to conquer this land because uh, I'm stronger than you, or I have more armies than you, or I have more weapons than you, or whatever. I want your land, so I'm going to come in, I'm going to take it. So anyone that's operating like that, you're in a violation, and you're going to get yours. So it's only a matter of time with people that's acting like that or behave like that, they're going to get theirs. So anyone that's oppressing the people or trying to suppress someone, you're going to get yours because you're reaping negative karma upon yourself. But you don't take what's not given to you. You don't come and break into someone's house and steal their possessions. You don't go and you don't be on the job and you see another individual they got a phone or an iPad or something like that and you like it so you go and you take it because you want it you know you don't do that this can be something as simple as someone's rubber bands like someone can have some rubber bands or something and you want rubber bands but you don't ask them for it you just take it because you know what I need some rubber bands and I'm just gonna take these even though they're not yours it's for someone else but you take it you don't operate like that. That's not proper. So this is the things that the master teacher was teaching them. Don't take things that's not yours. Another thing is refrain from wrong speech. Refrain from wrong speech. Refraining from wrong speech is something as simple as don't say harmful things to others. Like, don't say things that's going to harm others. Like, People say sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. That's a lie. Because physical wounds can heal. Mental wounds can take an eternity, can stay with someone for eternity. How many individuals that you know that may have been told something when they was a small child and now they 50, 60, 70 years old and they still remember those things that someone said to them that was harmful or hurtful? And Maybe some people go through counseling or they seek help to eliminate a lot of these negative thoughts. But many of them don't. And they have to be haunted by these words their entire life. And then also, as I spoke earlier, many people are living in fear right now because of what's going on. And they can't overcome the fear that's within them. All because of things that they've heard or been told. Uh, uh, COVID-19, coronavirus is killing people and taking people out. Uh, these thousands of people have died from the coronavirus and all that. And 500 people have died in this area. And 1,000 people have died in this area. And 2,000 people died here. Do you know every day an individual dies? And every day an individual is born. Someone's born and someone dies every single day. Every day. All over the world. We have billions of people on the earth. 
And every day someone dies, every day someone is born. You know? So when they start releasing numbers like how many people have died, you've never looked at it before, but if you really look at the larger scale of how many people die every day, you will be astonished to see the, mem the number of deaths that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. But what they do is they attach from COVID-19 or from coronavirus, they add that to the number, and now the fear jumps up even higher in people because now people are like, oh my God, this many people died from that. You don't know that, and they don't know that, but they just using it as fear tactics, and people are afraid. But that's wrong speech. That's wrong speech. You don't do that. You don't do that to harm others, but individuals are doing that purposely to instill fear in others. But I, I digress. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about wrong speech because wrong speech can be done in so many different ways, from lying to others, from saying harmful things to others, from misleading others, giving teachers that's not proper. You know, that's wrong speech. Don't do that. But these are the things that the master teacher was giving them, you know, refrain from wrong speech. Another thing was refrain from from sexual misconduct. That's the best way to say it. Sexual misconduct. Refrain from sexual misconduct. And basically, sexual misconduct is non-consensual sex or is sex with someone who is not of an age of consent, who don't understand what it is. It's like, anytime you are contracting with another individual, like, if you having sex with someone, two consensual adults, it's two adults coming together in agreement that this is what we're going to do and this is what we want to do. That's consensual. And it has to be from two consenting adults, two individuals that's, that has the mental capacity to understand what it is that we're getting ready to get involved in and what we're about to do is agreeable between the two of us. It's not me forcing myself on you. It's not me trying to manipulate you or try to cause distress to you. If you don't do this, then, you know, I'm not going to do this for you or whatever, putting you in a position to kind of force you to want to have to do what I'm asking you to do. That's not right. You know, that's sexual misconduct. You know, it's not necessarily talking about nothing beyond that. Like, it's not talking about how to do it, procedures, and what you do is your business. If you consent with whoever, that's what y'all consent to do. It's two consensual adults. But if it's not two consensual adults and if it's just one-sided, then that becomes sexual misconduct because someone is taking advantage of someone else, and that's sexual misconduct. But this was the thing that he taught them and told them to refrain from that. And then... The last thing was to basically stay away from substances which, which obstruct your self-awareness or it says intoxicants or whatever. Like, you know, stay away from intoxicants or some people say stay away from drugs and alcohol or, or however you want to put it. But anything that obstruct your self-awareness, you want to stay away from that. And that's basically what the master teacher was teaching them. But those were the five loaves. Those were the five loaves. And if you take what I'm telling you and apply it to the situation, 
you're dealing with a multitude of people. And you had 5,000. They said the number was 5,000. Could 5,000 people receive these teachings that will sustain them for the rest of their lives? Five simple precepts. Could you get that to them? And could they take that with them and be fulfilled because they can remember these five things? You can give that to 5,000 people. You cannot give 5,000 people pieces of crackers or pieces of bread and they be filled from some pieces of crackers or pieces of bread. That's impossible. It's not logical. But to give them teachings, five teachings, that is possible and it is logical. But it's up to you to use your own intuition, your own discretion, and your own understanding or overstanding to see that what I'm saying is accurate. But, I mean, it's up to you. You don't have to believe what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to believe anything, but I'm just giving you a different perspective of how to look at this that makes sense and that's logical. So, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be back with no pork and all pearls. We're going to continue to talk about five loaves and two fish. And we're back. To no pork and all pearls. And tonight we're talking about five loaves and two fish. So last segment we talked about the five loaves. And as I told you, the five loaves were basically five precepts. And these five precepts was given by the master teacher to the masses. And it was basically ethical teachings. You know, something that they can be using on a day-to-day basis to basically govern themselves so that they can be sustained. So, okay, we talked about the five loaves. So what about the two fish? So once again, when you're dealing with these words, you have to understand what these words mean. In a metaphysical dictionary, the term fish is also a term for facts. It means facts. F-A-C-T-S, facts. You know, people say facts. Yeah, so whenever you're talking about fish, it's always talking about facts. So, let's go back to Mark right quick, and I want to show you something real fast. It said that when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. Whenever you see looked up to heaven, that means he went to a higher level of understanding or a higher level of teaching. He blessed and he broke the loaves. So he broke down the different loaves. The loaves were, like we talked about in the last segment, five ethical teachings. He broke them down to him, you know, just like how I just broke those down to you in the last segment. And he gave them to his disciples, and he set that before them. And then it said, and the two fish he divided among them all. So the two fish he divided. So the facts, he divided these facts into two groups. He divided the facts into two groups. So the first group of facts that he gave to them, we're going to talk about 
the four noble truths. The four noble truths. Because facts, facts are a group of truths. That's how you distinguish the bread from the fish. The fish are facts. Facts are groups of truths, whereas the bread is individual truths. That's why in the last segment we talked about five loaves of bread, five individual precepts. Now we're going to deal with two groups of facts. And the first group of facts is the four noble truths. The four noble truths. So first and foremost, when we're dealing with the concept of the four noble truths, you must understand the situation of the people. The people were hungry for truth. The people were hungry for liberation. They wanted to be in a position where they could be free. But ask yourself, what was causing them to not be free? What was causing them to not be free? What was causing them to not be free was the way that they were living. They were in error in the ways that they were living. And as a result of that, they were suffering. These people were suffering. That's what made them so hungry and so anxious for the truth. Because you have to ask yourself, why does the creator allow us to suffer? You know, why do we have to even go through suffering? The reason that we have to go through suffering is because when you suffer, suffer, suffering is an indicator that there is a problem. It's a messenger. Suffering is a messenger. It's a messenger that something is wrong. Just like our bodies. Let's talk about our bodies. Our bodies, whenever you're experiencing some type of a pain or discomfort, that's an indicator or a message from your body to let you know that, hey, it's a problem in whatever area that you're suffering in or whatever pain that you're experiencing. This lets you know that something is wrong and that it needs attention. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be addressed. And this is the same thing that happens in our lives. When we find ourselves suffering, it's because we're doing something wrong. Or maybe we're not doing something wrong. Maybe we're thinking wrong. Or maybe our society is operating wrong. But Whatever the cause is, it's an indicator that there is a problem and the problem needs to be solved. That's why they're suffering. So by the master teacher understanding that, okay, this is the issue, I need to help them to understand first and foremost about suffering. So when we're dealing with the four noble truths, the first noble truth is all life is basically suffering. All life is suffering. So the teaching is that 
in your life, this whole experience that we're having, is suffering. Let me break that down. So, when you're born, when you come into this earth, your mother, your mother is in a position of discomfort. She's in a position of suffering. It's painful. I'm not a woman, and I don't profess to be a womb man or a man with the womb. That's not me. And I've never pushed out a baby. I've never. So I can't tell you about how the pain feels. I cannot. But I've been an eyewitness. I've witnessed my daughter being born. And I was born. And I've witnessed um, other individuals having childbirths and um, being born. And I've talked to women who've had children. And they've all told me about their experiences. And I've heard many experiences about pain. You know, they felt pains. Even if it wasn't a painful labor, like when the baby came out, because I've heard some women who said, you know, the baby just came right on out. You know, they was able to push the baby right on out. It was easy. It was a, you know, a easy labor. But during the process of pregnancy, it was periods in time when they were feeling different periods of suffering where they were having pains, labor pains, and they were having contractions and all type of different things were happening within their body, which was causing them to suffer. So suffering occurs from the mother, but then you have to look at it from the baby's perspective coming out. That has to be a very painful experience for a baby too, being squeezed out of a, a vagina a very very tight space and you know coming out like as the vagina contracts and opens up wider so the baby can get out it's not just it opens up one time and then the baby comes out no it's like a process it's like over a period of time like you know it dilates you know so many centimeters then so many more centimeters then so many more centimeters you know so it's like a process of an opening and the baby is coming down at the same time but it's slow it's not a fast thing it's slow and that baby is being stuck in positions and I'm sure the baby has to be uncomfortable trying to come out being stuck in that position and then the head gets in there and then you see a little bit of it and you see a little bit more and it be stuck at periods of time so it has to be a very painful experience to be coming out of the womb that's suffering that's suffering. So your life begins with suffering. Then throughout your life, when you experience sickness, when you experience heartbreak, when you experience bumps and falls, like, you know, when you're learning to walk or whatever, you don't just jump up and just start walking like, hey, I'm going to walk. Oh, it's a process of you. You're trying to stand and you fall and you crawl in and you roll over and bump your head sometimes, you know, all type of things that's happening. It's suffering, but you evolving and you learning. You learn from your mistakes or you learn from your suffering. So throughout your life, you suffer. Then when you're getting ready to pass or to die or, or um, to transcend, you suffer. You know, I've seen many elderly people or older people experiencing pain on their way out and many ha had to go through periods where they're in hospice and they have to be given stuff to ease their pain because they're in so much pain, you know, as they're going out. 
you know, that's suffering. So throughout your whole life, you're going to experience suffering. Suffering is always going to be a part of life. So that's the first noble truth that was given because you have to understand that suffering is life. It's, you're going to suffer in life. There's no such thing as you're not going to ever suffer because you are going to suffer. But then the second noble truth is that there is a cause for the suffering. And that cause for suffering is craving or thirst for existence. Craving or thirst for existence. Meaning your cravings and the things that you desire are mainly the things that cause you to suffer. Because when you want things so bad and you desire things so bad, once you have them, it's not going to be permanent. Nothing in the universe is permanent. So satisfaction can't last forever. So if the satisfaction is not going to last forever, at some point in time, it's going to be gone. So once you lose these things, you're going to suffer again. So you were happy to receive it, but then you lost it or something, and you suffered because of that. That's suffering. But the suffering was caused because of your craving and your thirst for it, because you wanted it so bad and you had to have it, and you obtained it. But once you obtained it, now you're suffering. And those are pretty much the causes of suffering. But then the third noble truth that was taught was that suffering can be eliminated. He had to teach the people that you can't eliminate suffering. Like, yeah, suffering is a part of life, but you can eliminate the suffering. You don't have to live a lifetime of suffering. I saw an individual the other day, and, you know, he was a, a homeless guy, and um, he was in, in an unfortunate position being homeless, but he was angry. He was angry because he was angry at people who had money and people who were um, in a better position than him. He was mad because he felt like they've had an easy route in life and that their life um, is so much easier than his and that they don't know what it's like to have to suffer or to struggle. But the thing is, and the thing he couldn't see is that Many times when we're in that position of suffering is because there is a problem. Something has caused us to be in that position. It could be wrong thinking. It can be uh, our health or whatever is bad because we made poor choices in the things we put in our body. Or maybe we didn't take time to get the proper exercise or nutrients or whatever and it caused our health to fail. We haven't been drinking water or whatever it is. I mean, many things can be the cause of our suffering. You know, I've been in positions where I've not had much, but until I made up in my mind that I wanted to have more and that I was willing to work, I wasn't able to get those things. But once I decided in my mind that I wanted to do better and I started applying myself, then I did better. And the same way that I can do that, others can do it as well. And I'm not saying I don't have compassion for individuals that's in a less fortunate position, because I do have compassion. But you get out of those positions by realizing in your mind that, hey, I have to do better. I have to make better choices. I have to do better in my thinking. You know, I, I need to make uh, practical decisions based on where I am 
so that I can get myself out of this position. I can't rely on someone else to help me. I have to be able to help myself and do what it takes to put myself in a position where I can help myself. And as you help yourself, others will be there to assist you. But no one can do it for you. But suffering can be eliminated, and this is what the master teacher taught. And then the fourth noble truth is that the mode for eliminating your suffering is by treading the eightfold path, the noble eightfold path. And we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the noble eight, the noble eightfold path, which is the second fish. So stay tuned to No Pork and All Pearls. And we're back to No Pork and All Pearls. And tonight we're talking about five loaves and two fish. In the last segment, we talked about the first fish, which we established that the term fish means facts, which facts are a group of truths, is a group of truths. So the first fish was the four noble truths. And the last of the four noble truths was basically treading the noble eightfold path. If you tread the noble eightfold path, then you could eliminate your suffering. So the noble eightfold path is actually the second fish. The second fish is the noble eightfold path. Now, the noble eightfold path is basically broke down into three elements. And that's an easy way to remember it. And this is what it's talking about. He broke and he blessed the loaves and he divided the fish. Like when he divided the fish, he divided them into segments in which they were easily managed where the people can remember them. So the three elements, the three elements in which the eightfold pass was broken into is trust, ethical conduct, and then meditation. Trust, ethical conduct, and meditation. So the first two aspects of the Eightfold Path is basically having the right mental attitude and also having a clear view or the right view. So having the right view and having the right mental attitude. And these deal with trust because it's dealing with you. Because before you can do anything else, you got to first be able to look at a situation properly and you got to be able to think about the situation properly. 
You have to see it for what it really is. And you have to be able to ponder on it or consider and think about it properly. So that's what the master teacher gave the multitudes. He said, look, before you can do anything else, if you want to eliminate your suffering, the first thing you got to do is you need to first view it properly. Like, look at it properly. Like, look at it, look at it for what it really is. And then after you look at it for what it really is, then think about it. You know, think about it properly. Like get the right, develop the right perception of what's happening. For instance, when we're dealing with this so-called pandemic that's going on, I'm telling you the pandemic is fear. The pandemic is fear. It's fear because the fear is what's making it spread and get worse. And the fear is what's giving it its power. And if you're thinking that negative things are going to happen and you think that people are going to die and you think that you're going to die or you're going to get ill, these are the things that's going to happen because you are manifesting it. But if you don't have a clear understanding in your mind, having the right mental attitude that, wait a minute, my mental state is what's creating this. Like, I'm thinking this stuff is going to happen, and I'm seeing it happen, and I'm seeing it play out, but it's going in alignment with the way that I'm thinking. I'm thinking this. I'm actually believing this and thinking this. And if you look at the situation as if, okay, this cold or this flu is what's killing us, and it's, it's what the problem is. It's the cold or the flu. If you're thinking it's that, not realizing that you have an immune system, that's designed to fight off anything, you're not looking at it properly. But once you realize that, wait a minute, my immune system, my immune system is built to protect me against anything. And my immune system, if I give it the right support, it can fight off anything. And I should be focusing on building my immune system and I should be focusing on making myself more healthier. So the next part of the eightfold path is basically talking about the ethical conduct. And the ethical conduct is divided into having right speech having right bodily action and having the right livelihood. And when I say right livelihood, I'm saying that you're going to have an ethical occupation or ethical means of making a living unlike being a butcher. A butcher is someone who slaughters out uh, animals, you know, you cutting up animals and killing animals and stuff like that. That's an unethical livelihood. And you causing negative karma on yourself by killing all these animals and doing that. I don't care how you look at it, like you're doing it for the survival of the people, but you're harming 
living things. You understand what I'm saying? You harming something that's living to sustain your life, but you harming something to sustain your life, and that's unethical. And you create a negative karma for yourself, and that's going to cause suffering in your life. You don't look at it that way, but you are. And that could be a multitude of other professions that you may do. Anything that you're doing that's causing harm to others or you causing pain to other people, you're going to be reaping that up on yourself. So you have to be mindful of that. This is something that you need to be aware of. But, you know, right speech, like we talked about dealing with the five loaves of bread or the five precepts, your speech can be harmful to people. So you got to have right speech when you're dealing with people. When you communicate, we have to get our communication level up. When you communicate with others, you need to communicate in a proper manner, which is not going to be harmful. Many people say, like, well, I'm not going to hold my tongue. I'm going to say what I feel. It's not about not saying what you feel. You should say what you feel. But you need to be able to communicate it in a way that the individuals can understand what you're saying and, and it's not in a way that's going to be causing harm to them as far as, like, your delivery. You don't want to harm them with your delivery. Allow the truth to work within them. You give them the truth, and the truth itself is going to do the cutting because it's a double-edged sword, you know? The truth is going to cut. It's going to hurt. If it's true, it's going to hurt. But... You don't have to say it or give it to them in a harmful way to hurt them even more. You need to be more like a surgeon. Be a surgeon. You know, a surgeon use a knife or a scalpel, as they call it, and they make incisions. And they go in, they operate, and then they sew an individual back up and allow them to heal. But many of us, we don't become surgeons when we give truth. We want to be a swordsman, and we want to just slice them. And just cut them and just let them lay there and, and bleed to death. You're not going to survive that way. And that's harming them. So just be mindful in the way that you utilize your speech. And then also in the right bodily actions. You know, don't do things to trespass upon others or harm others with your actions. You know, be mindful of what your actions are causing to other people in their lives. You know, be you, do you. But just do you in a way that you're not going to be violating someone else. And then the last three, the last three of the eightfold path is meditation. And when we're dealing with meditation, you're dealing with the right effort. You're dealing with the right self-awareness. And you're dealing with the right concentration. Right effort, right self-awareness, and right concentration. When we're talking about right effort, to have right effort, I can't want a pound cake and not follow the recipe for making a pound cake. If I don't take the proper steps in making a pound cake, I'm not going to get the pound cake. You know, I can't expect to receive a pound cake if I don't put the actions in or the effort in to create the pound cake correctly. Like, it's steps. It's procedure. You have to follow the procedure and you have to put the energy into the procedure and executing it in order to get the right results. 
If you're not putting in the right efforts, you're not going to get the right results. The right self-awareness is being aware of where you are. Where are you at this moment? Understand where you are. Be real with yourself. You know? You know where you are as far as like along your journey and along your path. You take time and you evaluate yourself and you understand where you are. As you understand where you are, then you can do the right concentration. The right concentration is helping you to focus on what it is that you do want. If you're fear, fearful, if you're operating in fear, you need to be aware of that. Like, okay, you know, I'm operating in fear right now. Let me take time and refocus my fear into what it is that I want and start utilizing my faith. Let me get out of fear and start operating in faith. Faith, I want this. You know, this is what I do want. I don't want that. So let me not focus on that. Let me focus on what it is that I do want. And that's having the right concentration. But this was the eightfold path that was given by the master teacher. And hence, these were the two fish that were divided amongst the multitude that they were able to eat. And hence the part where it said they took up 12 baskets full of fragments. 12 baskets, meaning it was 12 different teachings. The four noble truths, and then it was the eightfold path. Eight plus four equals 12. That gives you the 12 baskets. So those were the two fish that were divided amongst the multitude, along with the five loaves, which was the five precepts. And these, my brothers and my sisters, is the meaning of five loaves and two fish. It was an allegory. The story was an allegory. It was never meant to be taken literally. It was not two real big fish, and it wasn't five long loaves of bread that was broken up into bits and pieces to feed 5,000 people. That's never what it was. It was about food for thought to sustain the people throughout the rest of their lives so they can take it back with them and that they can be able to eliminate suffering in their lives and they can become liberated. So I hope tonight's episode was insightful and I hope that you was able to learn something. You know, five loaves, two bread. This is something that we can use in today's time. And once we're done with the so-called pandemic that's going on right now, once we're able to get back to a more routine way of life, this is something that we should try to implement into our lives to help alleviate a lot of our suffering and struggles that we will be finding ourselves faced with. Just know that we are the captains of our own ship and that we can take control of our own destinies and we can live our life by design and not by default so stay tuned after i take this break and we're going to come back with tonight's ancestral archive thank you for tuning in to no pork and all pearls tonight's episode was 
hopefully very insightful and something that could help you in the future. But what we do every week is we have our ancestral archive. And tonight, our ancestral archive, we're going to talk about Toussaint Leo Vitur. Toussaint Leo Vitur. And basically, Toussaint was a very, very inspirational figure in our history. He was a leader who created a disciplined army that fended off the attacks by European nations and by the French. And he was able to win the people of Haiti, or Haiti, which we call Haiti. He won them their independence and he liberated them. And they are even to this day a republic, a free nation of people to this day. They have their independence. They've been going through many hardships due to unfair policies and unjust regulations put on them by other nations. However, the impact that happened way back in 1790 by Toussaint Leoverture is still felt today. The impact was mighty. This man had many business connections. He had influence throughout the land of Haiti. He also was able to organize very well. He was a great organizer. He spoke many different languages. And he came up supposedly on a plantation and he was oppressed as a youth, but he was able to overcome that situation. And he turned out to be, in my, in my opinion, one of the greatest leaders of all time. He's someone who's never mentioned too often by others and they try to write him out of history but he was so impactful so you should go out of your way this week to do some re research on Toussaint Leo Vitture because he is tonight's ancestral archive well thank you for tuning in to No Pork and All Pearls and I really appreciate your support and understand that we're in a period where the star is in the east, meaning the sun is in the east. And we're heading into a period where the earth is about to start producing in abundance. Many beautiful flowers, many beautiful crops, and many beautiful organisms, living organisms and species are going to start coming out. And they're going to start spreading their wings, beautiful butterflies and all that. So take time to really observe the movements of the sun and spend time with nature. And tune in next week to No Pork and All Pearls at 7 o'clock p.m.
and we'll come back with another episode. But until then, I want to leave you with peace, love, and shalom.